Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 20th day of December 2023. Christmas is just around the corner, and it's Wednesday. We're on the downslope of the week. We're heading into the weekend, and I'm off all next week. I I haven't talked to Dean yet, so I don't know what... Something will be up. It's just a matter of what it will be. Uh, But there will be a new week in effing review at uh, patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast. And there will be a year in effing review the following Saturday. So um, that could be fun. Maybe I should try to get some guests to bitch about the year. Make that an extra long extravaganza or whatever. Whatever the case is. Mere five bucks a month is all I ask to support the show. I welcome more. Of course, I welcome more. But that's all I ask. We're up against big media. We're up against rich and famous people. And uh, we're just sitting out here with our principles. And, uh, you know, it's sometimes very lonely. Anyway, let us get on with the news so we might get on with our lives. We have to have a conversation about the front runners, right? We do. And this is going to make people uncomfortable. So I'll start with the Democratic front runners. Axios has a piece today that's very interesting. The headline, Biden's age denialism sparks internal tension, aides say. Well, what is this? Suddenly, what we were all assured didn't matter and isn't important is now important and matters and is really sort of a a hindrance to Joe, good old Joe. What am I talking about? What is the story? What is it that they're saying? Well, The story reads, President Biden's reluctance to acknowledge his physical limitations at age 81 is causing some tension on his team as, now wait a second, just right there in that first sentence, have we not been reliably assured that this is simply not the case? That Joe Biden is as spry and ready to go, he's DTF, man, he is ready to go as anybody ever. We've had uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, the historic Corinne Jean-Pierre, from the podium at the White House talking about how Joe Biden is tough to keep up with. He is tough to keep up with. Boy, howdy, you just can't keep up with that, Joe. He is uh, on the ball. He is every bit the wonderful human being you'd ever possibly imagine him to be. And so to sit there and bring up his age is why it's just this side of Hitler or something like that. As a matter of fact, I'm going to reread this first sentence, and then I'm going to play you a clip. The clip is one minute and eight seconds long of the gang over at Morning Joe, particularly, uh, well, I almost called her surgically enhanced, but I don't have proof that she's had surgery, and enhancement usually means improvement, so I'm not sure either. I can't prove either applies, certainly not the latter one. So I'll just call her Mika because that's what they called her. But uh, talking about how Joe Biden's age, boy, how do you, there's nothing wrong with Joe and his age. This was just on, uh, on November 27th. So less than a month later, internal rumblings at the White House are going, the dude's too damn old. So I'll read you the thing. President Biden's reluctance to acknowledge the physical limitations at age 81 
his physical limitations at age 81 is causing some tension on his team as senior aides and First Lady Joe Biden push him to rest more and be vigilant about his health going into 2024. Now here's Mika. Said it before, I'll say it again. We've got a guy in there who's more equipped to do this and is more successful in doing this than any president since Bush 41. And there's a reason. Both of those guys, both of those men, both of those presidents got into office with decades of experience in diplomacy, and it makes a difference. A lot of people say Biden's age is a factor, and you're damn right it is. Um, with his yeah. age, <laughs> in a, in a, in a great wisdom, way. Yeah. experience, he's not afraid to put himself out there. He knows it all could fall apart, but he's got guts, and he's unafraid, and that's what makes him an effective negotiator, effective at diplomacy. This is his second uh, war that he has actually visited the country in the middle of a hot war in his presidency. Yeah. This president has made history on so many levels and the stupidity of the conversations about his age when right now age is absolutely a factor in these negotiations. Well, I is. wouldn't want anybody else doing it. You know, I wouldn't want anybody. Age is absolutely a factor. Now, it's got to be humiliating to be a leftist who, you know, you, you sit there and you're dutiful. You get up every morning, uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and you go over to your email and you check your email and say, what, what debasing, dehumanizing, stupid thing am I supposed to say today? And you get the memo that says, Joe Biden is virile and just full of energy and fit for office and I'd rather not have, not have, I don't want anybody else. You can take your young kids and stuff it because Joe's got the experience coupled with the energy of a 15-year-old, a high on Viagra, to ready to just go out there and get it on with the world. And you go, all right, I will go out there and I will do just that. I will say that. I will parrot that. I will repeat that. And then less than a month later, you find out from the White House Look, he needs to rest more. Dude needs to take it easy. He's too old. He's showing his age. He can't physically do this all the time. The president's used to be, I mean, it has to be, Mika has to, well, Mika's not particularly self-aware, and neither, Joe is slightly more self-aware, but he can't acknowledge it because that'll just, eventually Mika will, like, you know, weeks later, Mika will pick up on it and go, wait, were you making fun of me? So he's got to play along. But it is amazing watching these people just go from one extreme to the other. It is not even varying degrees of shade where like, well, we should be concerned about his age a little bit. No, it's no concern whatsoever to dude's not up to the job unless he's napping. It used to be the president is the, this used to justify because right now, Joe Biden, he'll be back in Washington, D.C. today later on to uh, speak words at the Sandra Day O'Connor Memorial Service, but he has spent the last Wednesday, or it's Tuesday, he has spent the weekend in Delaware, another long weekend before a long vacation for Christmas. You imagine, I'm going to need a vacation and to get ready for my Christmas vacation. I'm going to need a five-day weekend in order to get ready for my two-week vacation or one-week vacation at Christmas, whatever it is. That's the president of the United States. That's what they mean by lack of energy. But they want him to get more rest. 
It used to be the president is the president no matter where they are. It doesn't matter. So the president can go on vacation. The president can do this and do that. Whatever the president's doing, if something happens, they're there. The president is always the president no matter. Now it's the president is the president in between naps and Matlock reruns. As long as he's getting his sippy cup full of prune juice, he's okay. And then he's fine. The president is the president between 10 a.m., and 2 p.m., and then maybe after 5, provided there was a nap in between 2 and 5, for maybe like an hour till, and then like once primetime TV starts, he's out. But don't worry, he's up to the job. Four more years. Four more years. I have seen toy robots functioning on no batteries have more energy than Joe Biden. The story continues, though. Current and former aides say Biden is extraordinarily energetic for his age. <laughs> Isn't that nice? He is the tallest midget around. He is energetic for his age. If you watch Joe Biden walk out to the helicopter, and you can find this footage all the time, when, especially when he's not answering questions, like say it's a day that you know they discovered another giant check to him from some family member for, for, for a loan. I love this. Joe Biden, by the way, his daughter is now, uh, it turns out that she owes $5,000 in back taxes. She's got to lean on her. She's not paid this. Now, Joe's given money out to crackhead whoring Hunter Biden for $50,000 so he can buy a truck, allegedly. That's the story. Because he wants to buy a truck. But he won't give his daughter five grand to take care of a tax debt. You mess with the IRS, you're in trouble. Taxes on the, the penalties and interest on IRS money owed to the IRS adds up really quickly. And it starts and it's compounded daily. Daily. They, they don't mess around. The mafia is more forgiving. The mafia, Sammy the Bull Gravano comes, look, you, you owe us five grand. If you need till the weekend, I understand. Don't worry about it, man. It's all good. You take your time. Maybe you can make it in installments. We'll just call it easy. As long as we get our money and you're happy and you feel like you got your money's worth, it's okay, pal. Don't worry about it. That's the mob compared to the IRS. They're like, it's a nice house there. It'd be a shame if we took it. It's a nice freedom you have there. It'd be a shame if we took it, unless your name is Biden. And then they're like, hey, uh, we'd, we'd, uh, whenever you get around to it, suddenly they become pussycats. Whenever you get around to it, and if you don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. It's no big deal. Well, why wouldn't Joe, who's throwing money around like Jay-Z at a titty bar, why wouldn't he go and say, look, you owe five grand. I'm giving money out to my degenerate brother for God knows what, hundreds of thousands of dollars. Your degenerate brother for tens of thousands of dollars at a minimum. Here, let me break off five grand for you. You pay the IRS and you pay me back whenever you can. Don't worry about it. That we don't want that compounded interest daily. He didn't do that. It's very weird. Very, very weird. Look, your brother, I had to give your brother the money. He's out whoring and uh, driving erratically. If I hadn't helped him buy that truck, he wouldn't have been able to film himself smoking crack while driving that truck. God, these people. Anyway, as <clears throat> has, has extraordinary energy for his age, but his repeated insistence that he feels so young can draw eye rolls. Some current and former aides believe Biden doesn't realize how old he can come across. 
I watched a video. I was watching. Uh, was, what was I doing? I was in between Reacher. I've been watching Reacher lately, which is good. It's not great, but it's good. And I like the fight scenes, and I actually it grows on you. But it's sad. It's not good because the second season they really. I hate it when these streaming services release one episode a week like their broadcast. Just give me everything. Let me get it out of the way over the course of a weekend. But I'm watching Reacher, and then when it was done, I put on the TV in the background while I was doing some writing. And uh, Laura Ingram, I think, I think it was Laura Ingram, she showed a commercial or a video or whatever the hell it was with Joe Biden and Barack Obama talking about Obama. Is Obamacare still a thing? Like, yeah, it is. And when Barack Obama's talking, Joe Biden is sitting there with this, with his smile at those big fake teeth that he's got that are unnaturally white. And he's got this weird old dude pervert smile. And Joe is so old. He, he, he looks so different than he did even when he was running for president in 2020. Now, that is, when he smiles, his eyes turn into little slits. He becomes that uh, old guy puppet, that, that one ventriloquist guy had, whatever his name is. He literally looks more like that every single day. But that look, look, when he was... 10 years younger and vice president. Was it 10 years? Yeah, 10 years ago, he was vice president. When he was 10 years younger and vice president, when he just sit there like an idiot and smile like that, he didn't look as weird. He didn't, it's not weird. He didn't look as old. Now he is physically old. When people start to deteriorate physically due to age, it generally happens quickly. It really does. And I say this as somebody who... You know, every time I saw my father in the last few years of his life, he he kept looking older. Now, in my mind, he was still the young, virile guy I, I looked up to my whole life. But then you see him having difficulty getting out of a chair because his knees are shot. And you're like, oh, wait, you know, you, you, you denialism, denial. My dad didn't deny it. I denied it. Denialism is a powerful thing. In the case of Joe Biden, He's the one who's in denial. That's why you see him when he's walking and he walks out to that helicopter. He walks like one of those U.S. robotics or whatever. He walks like one of those robots that, you know, like watch him. His, his torso doesn't move all that much. His arms move only as much as they absolutely have to. But the legs are going. And they're going kind of quickly. And he every once in a while, he does a little bit of a hop step. Like, look, I can, I can run if I want to. But he does this really weird, stiff, torsoed walking. It's unnatural. It's a shuffle, but it's an it's a expedited shuffle designed to imply that he's spry. And he's not. Uh, back to the story. In conversations with aides and friends, Biden frequently says some version of, I feel so much younger than my age. <laughs> what does that What does that mean? Who knows what 81 is supposed to be like? Managing Biden's schedule and energy has become crucial to his reelection campaign, given widespread voter concerns about his ability to do the job until January 2029, when he'll be 86. Current and former Biden aides say he often pushes to do more travel and events than they think he should. Now, who's president of the United States? 
Joe Biden is, sadly, not all these junior aides who are sitting there or senior aides or whatever are sitting there going, no, 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 can't do that, Mr. President, can't do that, Mr. President. You don't want a president that they're sitting there and all they do, everything you want to do, no, 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 no. It's not because they think he's wrong. It's because they think he can't do the job and they want to hide that from the public. Biden pushing up against his limits sometimes creates a cycle in which he wears himself out, then appears fatigued during public events, which can increase concerns about his age, even when he's taking on a rigorous schedule. He does not ever take on a rigorous schedule. Most of his day is spent on his ass. I'm sorry that part of that has to be conscious and not napping in a recliner, but that's the job he signed up for. Quote, he is his own worst enemy <clears throat> when it comes to his schedule. End quote. A former Biden aide said, Joe Biden and her team are deeply involved in the president's day-to-day -day schedule. Did anybody vote for that moron to be the gatekeeper to the president of the United States? She often works to get him as much rest as possible and to improve his diet. As much rest as possible. Again, president is supposed to be president 24-7, not in between golden girl marathons. This dynamic between Jill and her husband's teams goes back to the end of his vice presidency when he maintained a robust schedule into his early 70s as he also dealt with the, Ill with the illness and death of his son, Beau. Joe's working too hard, Jill would tell Biden, then chief of staff, Stephen Ricchetti. Joe, Joe Biden recalls in his memoir, Promise Me Dad, quote, he's exhausted. He's not sleeping. He's going to kill him. It's going to kill him. End quote. Biden wrote that the two of them would compromise to get me to, uh, to uh, quote, to get me uh, to ease off for a while. End quote. A White House official told Axios that the Bidens keep, quote, an eye on one another's schedules for the sake of balance. And they are far from the only couple in the administration who does that, end quote. Well, here's a pretty simple. Look, nobody gives a damn. First of all, what is Jill Biden doing? What is she doing? She's running around correcting staff who don't refer to her as doctor, probably at best. That's it. Um, what her schedule is, is irrelevant. The president, the point of this story is the president has very limited bandwidth, very limited abilities to do the job. And now they're telling us that he's using some of that bandwidth to keep an eye on what his wife is doing. Who cares what his wife is doing? It's like, it, I mean, this is the ultimate, what it really is, is the ultimate in patronizing. It is, she's going to monitor his schedule because he's not up to the job, but he feels bad. He's like, what? I can do it. I can do it. So they compromise. I'll monitor you. You monitor me. I promise you, she has way more influence over him than he'll ever have over her <laughs> because she's not old and frail and senile. He is. Good. I just, you, you sit there and you've been lied to so much by the media. There's nothing wrong with Joe Biden. Boy, howdy, look at him. The spring in his step, the this and his that, the other thing and the other thing. And now they're going, we can't hide it anymore. Democrats will only get around to telling the truth when every other option has been exhausted and there is simply no way to continue the lie. 
that's what they are. And so as they enter election season, and after the first of the year, it will be officially election season, especially by the middle, middle of uh, January, once voting starts. They're in a panic mode. They seem to have stepped up. They, they have to distract from their lies about Joe Biden's age and health and the fact that Joe Biden simply can't do the job. They need to have something else. That's why it's not only is Donald Trump a monster and a tyrant and ready to, I don't know, become a dictator, et cetera, et cetera. Every Republican is. They sit there and they say they're attacking Donald Trump. Every attack on Donald Trump has also been levied against every other Republican. Well, not necessarily against Nikki Haley. I don't think anybody thinks Nikki Haley really has a chance. They're trying to build her up into something, but it, she hasn't reached the threat level where she has to be called Hitlerette yet. But I want you to listen to this Morning Joe clip from today. We had Mika from just a month ago, less than a month ago, three weeks ago, to... Um, Mojo today. This is Joe. This is a. It's edited together from the show this morning of Joe himself, Joe Scarborough, conservative. Oh, so conservative. Essentially calling for the Well, essentially trying to inspire the assassination of Donald Trump. Because he's not maybe not directly doing it, but that'd be the end result. I mean, these are the people. After all, this is the network that inspired James Hodgkinson to try and kill as many Republicans as possible. And they don't care. These are also the people who tell you, oh, violent rhetoric is going to do... Look, Donald Trump said something wildly stupid about immigrants poisoning the blood of the country. That is, you know, it, it's just dumb to put it that way. There are millions of other ways to put it, to use that sort of racist-sounding thing when you know that they're gunning for you. is just stupid. Most of Donald Trump's, if not all of Donald Trump's problems are self-inflicted. It's almost like it's going to be, you know, will will which one if it's Joe Biden versus Donald Trump, the race will be which one self-destructs first. That's it. Which one does this dumbest thing ever? They're both Edward Norton in the boss's office in Fight Club beating the crap out of themselves. And then just himself like why? What is the point? How about you stop stepping on rakes? and start focusing on what you want to do, but that's neither here nor there. So the Democrats are in panic mode, and they've got to come up with, they've come up with this, Donald Trump is history's greatest monster, and he's going to kill us all, so we have to make sure he never gets it. Forget whatever Joe Biden's, whatever concerns you have about Joe Biden, don't worry about it. Donald Trump is worse. And if you listen to this, it is, it's essentially a call for murder. It's, it's not a direct call for murder. But if you were trying to inspire somebody, look, if, you are, if you're able to convince people that Hitler is on the verge of assuming the presidency, Hitler, literal Hitler, if you're crazy, don't you feel like I have a moral obligation to act? I have a moral obligation. Anything you do is justified to stop Hitler. That's what they're trying to inspire. That's what they're going to inspire. Especially with the rhetoric of one year from now, democracy could be over. It's weird how democracy could end if the Democrats don't win an election. 
which is really kind of the opposite of democracy. Anyway, here's Morning Joe this morning. It's getting more explicit. It's getting worse. Uh, I am still shocked by the clowns uh, who claim to be media critics out there. Uh, it's absolute clowns that, that attack the media for reporting this. And, and sounds like you just don't get it. You don't understand his connection with the audience. You just have to understand that you're actually helping him by focusing on, you know, saying he's fascist. It's getting more explicit. And the fact that fools that are covering the horse race would somehow attack writers, journalists for, re for recording this and putting it to the readers without an explanation. Oh, but he also is talking about economics that they related to. Uh, seems to somehow uh, uh, talk about, uh, miss the much bigger point that we're in the fight uh, for, for American democracy and he's becoming more and more explicit on how he wants to take American democracy down. Yeah, Jonathan Lemire, let me ask you though, uh, we, you know, one year from now, um, it could be over. American democracy could be over. Donald Trump, one year from now, could win. Uh, he's told us what he's going to do. Uh, so when I say American democracy is going to be over, it's, I haven't said this. Donald Trump's a guy that said it. He's the one talking about executing generals that are uh, not loyal enough to him. The guy that's talking about terminating the Constitution if it gets in the way of his power. He's a guy that's talking about taking off news networks that he disagrees with. He's a guy that's talking about uh, prosecuting and putting in jail people who disagree with him. He's the one saying that. So a year from now, it can all be over. A year from now, it could all be over. Now, you got to love this because what he's accusing Donald Trump of doing and Donald Trump has his faults, no doubt. I'm going to get into them in a second. But what he's accusing Donald Trump of doing is what he and his fellow travelers are literally doing right now. For the past, what, three years, there has been a push by the left, including almost everybody on MSNBC, if not literally everybody on MSNBC, to do what? To get Fox News dropped by cable companies. That's what they want. That's what they've been pushing for. Get rid of Fox News. Get rid of Fox News. We must get rid of Fox News. It's not real news. It's not this. It's not that. It's not the other thing. They don't like the opinions on Fox News, and so they want to destroy it. And yet somehow Joe can say, quote, he's a guy that's talking about taking off news networks that he disagrees with. There is no way for a president to do that because news networks are on cable news, right? They're on cable. They're called cable news. They're on cable. The FCC has no regulatory uh, power over that because they do not use cable. goes through the cable. They do not use the public airwaves. You do not need licensing. A lot of people talk about this as if the FCC can simply pull the license. They don't need a license. They can pull the license of Fox News. Fox News doesn't need a license. MSNBC, Donald Trump can bitch about MSNBC all he wants. He can't do anything about it. Joe knows, well, Joe should be smart enough to know this. I'm pretty sure my kids, I could explain it to them in 30 seconds and they'd get it. So I'd assume that Joe could understand this. But this is the world that we live in. They're trying to... Steal your car, says the guy breaking into your car to try and steal your car. 
Do you hear anything? If you are a mentally unstable leftist, and I realize that may be redundant, and you hear that, do you not think that some people would go, well, if our country is over, if democracy is over for freedom, I have to do, somebody has to do something, and if nobody else will do it, I'll have to do it. The only reason the left doesn't celebrate James Hodgkinson the way they celebrate Hamas is James Hodgkinson managed to get zero as far as his body count goes. James Hodgkinson isn't looked at as a pariah of the left. He's looked at as a failure from the left. He didn't succeed. The idiot went through all the trouble and he did such a horrible job. What a dumbass. That's their problem with James Hodgkinson. Not that he existed, it's that he failed. All right, I want to talk for a second about what Donald Trump is doing now, since we're talking about the, um, the front runners, because he's being an, an ass. He uh, went to his Truth Social account yesterday and sent out the message, quote, has any smart and energetic Republican in the great state of Texas decided to run in the primary against rhino Congressman Chip Roy? For the right person, he is very beatable. If interested, let me know. Three, excla- was it three exclamation points or four? I think it's three exclamation points. Chip Roy is probably the most conservative Republican in the House of Representatives. Now, I've met Chip Roy on a couple of occasions. I've had dust-ups with Chip Roy on social media. I have, uh, I moderated a debate or discussion, I guess it was more of a discussion between Grover Norquist and Chip Roy. I even forget what the issue was. It was something the Daily Caller asked me to do a long time ago, a couple years ago. But he was perfectly nice, but he just doesn't seem, he didn't seem like a lot of fun. He didn't feel like a barrel of laughs to me. Uh, maybe he remembered that we'd argued on Twitter. I don't know. But I do, like my friend Brian Darling, is literally good friends with Chip Roy, dating back to the time when they were both staffers in the United States Senate. So it is, um, I have it on good authority that he is a super fun guy. I've just never seen it because he always just seems kind of angry. And not that there's not a lot to be pissed off about, but whatever. Now, putting aside from the fact that seven days ago was the last day for fi- to read the filing deadline to run in the state of Texas and the stupidity of Donald Trump's tweet, he could have just searched that out. Uh, it's too late. Nobody can challenge him. But why the hell would you challenge Chip Roy to begin with? Well, Chip Roy has endorsed and endorsed a long time ago Ron DeSantis. And the only sin you can com- commit in Trump land is not fervently planting your lips on his butt. That's it. If you dare disagree with him, if you think, look, Donald Trump was a perfectly fine president, but I think this guy'd be better because he won't step on a field of rakes. He is more conservative. He's actually principled. Whatever your argument is, you are the enemy of Trump. Now, at some point, you're going to need, if you're Trump, you're going to need the support of these people. He's been going after Ted Cruz. Why? Because Ted Cruz has not endorsed Donald Trump. He hasn't endorsed anybody. But not endorsing Donald Trump is unacceptable. 
get in line. You want to talk about, you know, people's giving the projection of totalitarianism. I don't think it's that Donald Trump wants to be a dictator. I think it's that Donald Trump is an incredible narcissist and he puts himself and whatever he wants ahead of any and everything else. That's why he can sit there and basically say, Republicans shouldn't talk so much about abortion. Who cares about abortion? Okay, you want to take credit for the Dobbs decision, which ended Roe v. Wade, but then you want to say, don't talk about abortion anymore. Let's move away from abortion, essentially signaling that you would support abortion in some, uh, in some way. You won't talk about the limitations that you would put on abortions. I don't know. You, you can't have it both ways, right? Can you? Can you say children shouldn't have their genitals mutilated to trans issues, but Bruce Jenner can use whatever bathroom you want, wherever? There's a lot of disconnect. There's not a lot of principle in Trump. And you sit there, and I know, and he says it all the time, and I know some people are gritting their teeth right now thinking this. He was the most conservative president of my lifetime, blah, blah, blah. Was he? I mean, I don't know how old you are, but was he really? What did Donald Trump do as president? Don't listen to the spin. The economy was pretty good. It was certainly better than now, but better than now, hell, Jimmy Carter's economy was almost better than now. In fact, with the exception of Jimmy Carter because of double-digit inflation, there's really no president. Bill Clinton's economy was way the hell better than now. And quite frankly, it was better than Donald Trump's economy. And he also, if you want to play the game, did, uh, what, three consecutive years of budget surpluses? Now, don't get me started. I know that it was an accounting gimmick. It was a lie. It was whatever. But it's a hell of a lot better than running up $8 trillion in new debt in three years or four years, isn't it? Isn't it? It is. If you're being honest, it is. So the things that Donald Trump did, with the exception of the border, that was where he had control. And he put border hawks in charge down there because that was a promise if he had not kept, he would have really caught hell for it, although he didn't build the wall. Forget Mexico paying for it. Even he admits that that was never going to happen. That was a lie. But it was being built, at least was getting ready to be built. He didn't build all that much of it. But he did have a get them out of here and remain in Mexico. And there are some people, the DeSantis campaign is saying that Obama deported more people than Donald Trump. That's not really, it's technically accurate, but uh, factually dubious. When, see, Obama inflated his deportation numbers because he was soft on the border. So if somebody was walking across the border at a checkpoint say in Tijuana, they just wanted to go to San Diego for the day and they uh, didn't have ID or whatever, they were turned back. So, no, no, you can't come in, go back. They counted that as deportation. They used to be called turnbacks. They're still called turnbacks because you're turning somebody back at a point of entry. But they counted those as deportation to get the numbers up because they wanted to look like border hawks. They were not border hawks in any way, shape or form. But just keep that in mind. So that's how they can say that Barack Obama deported more people than Donald Trump. Not that Donald Trump was setting the world on fire with deportations. There are far too many limitations. And he didn't act as an executive enough on that front. He, Like, for example, he never ended birthright citizenship. He swears now that he will sign on day one ending birthright citizenship. At least he did. He hasn't talked about it in a while, which makes me skeptical. But... 
if you're going to do that now, why didn't you do that then? Right? Why didn't, why didn't you do that then? Just a question. You, if you can't ask questions of your political leaders, then you do live in a totalitarian regime, regardless of who is in charge or what's going on. But to sit there and fire down his own trench, I have not seen Donald. He talks about the judges and the prosecutors out to get him. And quite frankly, I don't give a damn about the judges and the prosecutors out to get them. I am not voting for a martyr. I'm not voting for the office of martyr of the United States. I'm voting for president of the United States. He's got problems, many of which are self-inflicted many of which are politically motivated, the prosecution of which is politically motivated, but the stories behind them are self-inflicted. Stop being a whiny crybaby and deal with reality and resolve to never let it happen again rather than bitching and moaning and whining and lying about it ever happening in the first place, and you would be much better off and you wouldn't have been in this situation, right? Right? I don't believe Grover Cleveland spent four years going, I was robbed, I was wronged, I was stolen, blah, 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 blah. No, you lost. You lost. You lost. You can complain about the circumstances under which you lost, but unless you're suing actively to make sure that the law changes, the illegal law changes, or seemingly illegal law changes, are changed back, you've got no ground to stand on, and he's not doing that. So as he sits there and he complains and he uses stupid language, like I say, Donald Trump's problems are self-inflicted. I don't know if he doesn't understand that or if he likes that. Because some people for whom Donald Trump can do no wrong thrive every time Donald Trump says something that offends people's sensibilities. And it doesn't matter who the people are or what the sensibilities are. They love that he pisses off all the right people. It's bizarre because if you want to win an election, you're needing to appeal to as many people as possible. And they sit there and they go, look at the polls, look at the polls. Donald Trump is running away with the Republican nomination. Well, so what? Bob Dole got the Republican nomination in 1996. How did that work out? How did that work out? John McCain got it in 2008. How did that work out? Mitt Romney got it in 2012. How did that work out? Donald Trump got it in 2020. He ran away with it. Nobody was even challenging him. He just waltzed. And how did that work out? All the time. Gerald Ford got it easily in 76. Well, he had to fight Reagan for it a little bit, but... In 76, you see the point. That's not the finish line of an election, getting the nomination. That is a checkpoint along the way. It's an important checkpoint, but it is a checkpoint along the way. You look at those polls, and we'll find out what those polls actually translate to. You look at the polls, and Donald Trump is running away with it. And then you look at the same polling companies, and you say, Donald Trump is beating Joe Biden in all of these states. Joe Biden is the least popular president at this point in his presidency since records have been kept, since polling has been done, going back all the way to World War II. He's less popular than Jimmy Carter was at this point in his presidency. You look at those national polls, and Joe Biden is losing to Donald Trump in those national polls. But look at the margin 
by which Joe Biden is losing to Donald Trump in those polls. And then look at the margin of error in those polls, and you will find out most of the time that the margin of Trump's lead in those polls is less than or equal to the margin of error in those polls. Which means what? Well, if you looked at the polls leading into the 2022 election, Republicans were going to sweep. Republicans were going to win easily, and then Democrats won everywhere. Democrats overperformed every poll except for one. The one, and they ended up winning that race. I think it was in Connecticut or New Hampshire for the Senate. I forget which. It doesn't matter. That was it. That was the only place that Democrats did not dramatically overperform in the polls. And we just spent what? With Donald Trump. Donald Trump was losing everywhere in 2016. It was over for Donald Trump. Hillary Clinton was a foregone conclusion, and Donald Trump won. And he said, well, the polls, the polls are terrible. The polls are just, the polls suck. Polls can't do anything. Well, polls suck. Then why are you dining out on polls? The polls now just suck in a different direction, so suddenly nobody's saying that the polls suck anymore. The people who swore up and down that polls suck, polls suck, polls suck, don't believe the polls, are now telling you to believe the polls. What you really got to do if you want to win, and it doesn't matter what the polling says, if you want to win, you've got to campaign constantly. Campaign constantly and try to broaden your base and get more appeal. Get more people to your side, to your cause. Constantly. Until the race is over. And I don't see Donald Trump doing that at all. In fact, I see him doing everything he possibly can to try to alienate people who he'd be inclined to have the support of. DeSantis supporters. Tucker was on with Tim Pool the other day. They both... Trump sycophants. And look, I question the sincerity of anybody who has privately or even publicly been hypercritical of Trump. There's, if they run a business, if they're doing a show or television or a radio show or whatever, there is a, you have a choice. And trust me, I know this. I've been confronted with this. I could make money if I were willing to support certain things. I'm not. I'm not. It's much easier to remember what you said and not be a liar if you're sitting there and you just tell you what people what you really believe. But there is if I came on here and I became the biggest MAGA sycophant ever, this podcast would grow exponentially. It would. There is a small relative to the population, but fervent group of people out there who just want to hear that. They just want to hear that nonstop. Donald Trump is the best. Donald Trump is the most conservative. Donald Trump is... They want it. There's a market for it. There's a huge market for it. And you can make it... You hear it on the radio. Sadly, you hear it from people who replaced Rush Limbaugh. You hear it from people on television. People who replaced good people on television. You hear it from good people on television who used to be on television who are now trying to start businesses and they go, well, uh, there's a business model here. I can take a shortcut. 
I can do this. I can do that. It'll be it'll be easier. It'll be better. It'll be smarter not to alienate and offend my audience. Well, as an audience member, although not a subscriber, I would say that I'm more offended by people blowing smoke up my rear end than I am people disagreeing with me. It's just how I am. So they're sitting there last night on this podcast thing or this video chat or whatever the hell it was. Talking about Ron DeSantis, said, Tucker said, quote, the people who represent him online are the nastiest, the stupidest, and most zero-sum people I've ever seen in my life. And, of course, everybody agreed with that. Now, you, you don't see this kind of... This is a lie. This is patently false. Are there some nasty DeSantis supporters? Of course there are. But there are some very nasty... Trump supporters as well, people on the payroll. The Christine Peshaw, I think is how you pronounce her last name, the spokeswoman for uh, the press secretary, whatever she is, for DeSantis' campaign. They constantly call her ugly. Ugly. They can't refute what she says. They don't refute what she says. They just call her ugly and stupid. It's like a junior, it's like a debate champion versus junior high student. It's pathetic what's going on. It truly is. And to watch people who are seemingly afraid to offend a good portion of their audience just lie is sad. It's sad. Donald Trump is going to need the support of people that Tucker called nastiest and stupidest, most zero-sum people he's ever seen in his life. Go back and look at what Tucker said in tweet and text messages about Donald Trump that weren't public when he thought nobody was listening, when he thought nobody was looking. People can change their minds, of course. But that dramatically, without explanation, without acknowledgement, would you... Should you question the sincerity of that? I don't know. I'd like to hear an explanation. I'm not going to betray any confidences, but I've had conversations with a lot of people in media over the years, and not, you know, five years ago, but in semi-recent times, who are doing the same thing and privately they say something different. I don't know, are they lying to me? Are they lying to their audience? Are they lying to themselves? I don't know. Like I say, I accept that people's opinions change, but you have to acknowledge that your opinions changed. You can't be pro, pro-life pro and now you're saying abortion's for everybody. Okay, you can do that, but somebody's going to ask you why. How is it that you went from this to that? And if your answer is, I didn't, you're a liar. I don't care what you believe. I'm more interested in why you believe it. I want to know your thought. I want to know that you know. If you know something I don't know, I'd like to be enlightened. But if you just say things without explanation that are contrary to things you've said in the past, I'd question your sincerity. I think in the new year I'm going to see about getting Tucker on uh, to talk about this. But, you know, it, I don't think he'd be offended by a tough interview, by a tough questioning, by really getting down to the bottom of it. But 
We'll see. Because I can't just have him on and kiss his ass. That's, I wouldn't have any respect for myself, and I hope you wouldn't have any respect for me either. I hope if you listen to this part of the show all the way this far, or you listen to this show regularly, or you support the show uh, at the Patreon site, it's because of this. Because this is, this is what you get. This is who I am. And maybe not burning up the charts relative to the ass kissers and the sycophants who go around calling Donald Trump boss and talking about their proximity to them and how they're good friends with him, etc., etc. I don't want to be good friends with any of these politicians because I want to be free to talk about them honestly. And I don't want to be dependent upon my ego being fed to survive, to live to be happy because then you it's just as perverting as being friends with these people then you just start throwing red meat then you just start telling the audience what they want to hear rather than what they need to hear and honestly going into an election i'm going to write about this for the hill today i think it's going to be the fox news versus msnbc election There are a lot of people out there, and it's not just Fox News, but there's going to be a lot of people on the right, these people on radio and TV and and video chats and everything, who are already telling you that Joe Biden is going to lose, that Donald Trump is going to win, blah, blah, blah. These are the same people who told you that 2022 was going to be wildly successful for Republicans. It's going to be a great day for Republicans. It's going to be wonderful. They had Tudor Dixon in the governor's mansion in Michigan. They had Dr. Oz in the Senate. They had Republicans winning in Georgia. They had Republicans winning in Arizona. It was Governor Carrie Lake. It was Senator Blake Masters. It was all of these things that did not happen because the polls were wrong. These are the same people, again, who are citing polls. (laughs) Go figure. Never spike the football on the five-yard line and never believe anybody who tells you in declarative sentences what's going to happen in the future because they don't know. If they did, they'd be a multiple lottery winner and they wouldn't be wasting their time talking to anybody. They'd be knee-deep in Victoria's Secret models, lighting cigars with $100 bills can't blame them. Who doesn't want to live like Leonardo DiCaprio? Anyway, that is enough for today. Hope I didn't piss you off too much, but I hope I pissed you off a little bit. Challenge me. I welcome it. Prove me wrong. Or just do your own research and see if I'm right. Have a great Wednesday. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.